0: The following audios from the Chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the Chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Happy New Year's Eve. Oh, I like that boom boom like I'm a singer. A sanger. If you're new, welcome to the chapel. My name is Ryan, and I'm your pastor, and today we are in Psalm 106. As you turn your way to Psalm 106, if you do not own a Bible, we have Bibles in the back for you. Feel free to grab one of those. If you don't own one, you can steal one from us. That is our gift slash your theft to you. Resolutions, who's in? Raise your hand if you're in on resolutions. Resolutions. You guys are slackers. I expected better of the first service because you guys woke up early, but it's probably just to go buy explosives because you're Floridians. Who's out on resolutions? Who's saying no more resolutions? Just so you know, that is a resolution. You guys are nailing it at this life thing. I'm so excited. Um, I am a fan of resolutions. You don't have to be, uh, obviously. Uh, I have next to my desk an old dead guy named Jonathan Edwards. He's a pastor I love. He has these things called resolutions, and he's got hundreds of them. I have a poster just right next to my desk. So year-round, 365 days out of the year, as I'm working, I look over, and there's just these resolutions of a guy who is so type A, so resolved, it makes me feel like a slob. But, but there is something that I hope that today we will begin to resolve whether or not you're making resolutions. You don't have to call it a New Year's resolution. Maybe you're allergic to those because maybe, like many other people, you've done New Year's resolutions and then you've had the um, 5th of January failed at the resolutions. My, My theory is this. If you are a type A person, you can make it till Valentine's Day and then you're out. But the chapel is made up of a lot of type B through F personalities. Which means you guys fail by January four. That's my theory. I might be off a little bit. So we're going to pray. We're going to jump into the psalm. I didn't put the scripture um, up on the board because if you were here on Christmas Eve service, our projector kept going out and going out and going out. And, of course, it's working just great today. Um, But we're getting a new one because it does keep going out. So if if you don't see me next week, it's because as they lifted me up on a crane this week to fix that thing, um, the people that are designed to go in this box, it says less than 500 pounds. And the main guy that's helping us, I I looked at him and I looked at me and I said, this is not going to end well for us. So if I'm not here next week, if Edwin or someone else is preaching, that's what happened. I died right here near where Jared's sitting. Okay, let's pray. We're going to get into God's Word. Father, I thank you. I thank you that 2017 has come and gone and that you have been faithful as you always are. And Lord, I look forward to your faithfulness in 2018. I pray for all of us here in this room, just in this service right now, that we would be rooted and grounded in your Word and in prayer this year. I pray for everyone in this room right now, God, that your spirit would move in us in amazing and miraculous and mighty ways, that we would become people addicted to loving others, that we would become a people more addicted to sacrifice and giving and serving. Lord, now I ask that as we open your word, you would speak to us, that you would shine a light on areas of our lives where the light needs to be shined. And that you would lift up those who are broken and give hope to those who feel like they're in a fog. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. So we are in Psalm 106. I doubt we are going to make it all the way through this psalm. So we're just going to read a little, talk a little, starting in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Verse 4, remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory in your, with your inheritance. We'll stop right there for a moment. So, uh, one thing that I, I love to do, and this is a new experiment that I've been doing, but the Bible talks about giving thanks, being grateful for things. And it's amazing. If you just Google the effects of gratitude on your health, regardless of religious affiliation, Being a grateful person actually has amazing benefits to you as a human being. But this year, one of the things that I've begun doing recently, and I want you guys to think about this, I started trying to give thanks to God every morning before I do anything else. Before I start going on Instagram or Facebook or emails or text messages, I wake up, I do my morning routine, and I go to give thanks. And I've been trying to give thanks for things that have zero relation to money whatsoever. And in the beginning, it was really hard because I am here and I was born in this country. So the things I would think, okay, no money at all. So I'm going to thank God for my health. But wait a second. I've been to India. I've been to Mexico a lot. I know that my health in part is because I live here, because I have clean water that comes out of my faucet. It, the the worst issue that I had over Christmas was the fact that my water filter in my refrigerator said, reset the filter, replace the filter, and I ordered it on Amazon, and Amazon says, it's going to take longer than two days, and I pouted because I was used to this Christmas routine. Like, I need a present. Boom, two days later, present on my doorstep, and I don't know if you're like me, but I always sneak in like four or five extra gifts during Christmas because it goes under my wife's radar. Do you guys do that? This is my confession service, in case you didn't know, because my wife comes to the next one. So I get out all my confession here. But anyway, so I'm, I'm ordering these things, and I order a filter, and then Amazon says on their little app, it was handed to a resident on this date. And I said, babe, were we even home on this date? No, we, we weren't even home. Who did they hand this to? So I called Amazon. To, no, this is one of our delivered. They handed it to somebody at your house. Well, it was a burglar, and I want my money back, Amazon. They said, okay, we'll send you another one. This is my Christmas, just going and and not being thankful for things. And then all of a sudden, I remembered my morning routine. So what is it that we could be thankful for that has no relation to money whatsoever? Friends, right? Even enemies. We could be thankful for enemies. I mean, you probably don't pray for them as much, but we should. The Bible says too. What else are we thankful for that has zero relation to money? Family, friends. Okay, those are the the ones that come to mind. Now, what's next? Huh? Grace? That's zero relation to money. Grace is the free gift of God. So we've hit, like, the top three. Now, here's where it gets hard. If you do this more than one day in a row, all of a sudden, you're like, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for grace. And then you just start thinking, what doesn't have any relationship to money? And then you... Start digging deeper, and there are things, but I'm not going to tell you them just yet, because I need you to do this exercise in your own head. Because this psalmist starts out with this, give thanks. In our, in our day and age, it's easy to not give thanks. It's easier to give gripes. It's easier to give complaints than to give thanks. I hear it all the time. I do it all the time. It's, it's giving complaints that my filter is coming four days later because Amazon Prime didn't want to use this particular service well. It's not giving thanks, but giving complaints when your coffee comes out, and it's just a touch lukewarm. It's giving complaints when something isn't quite the way that you want it. If you've got children like me, giving complaints is like a way of life. They, they speak complaints. It's their native language. English is their sec, second language. They speak complaints, and they're learning English. My, my kids, they got the best gifts ever. I mean, Aside from the fact that I, I did get one of my humans a phone, which I'm pretty sure was a bad parent move. Um, I just did it so I could GPS track him, and I have this app where I could put a digital fence, so if he goes outside of it, it alerts me. I'm all about that thing. I want to get one for my wife, too. Um, it just, I mean, not that, I'm not like from the state, never mind. Okay, um, but, but my, he got this. My other son got a bike. Uh, they got a pogo stick, which is, I'm going to regret that because I already see concussions in my future. Um, but, but with all these gifts, all of a sudden... Now in my house, there's just this massive competitiveness to play with whichever gift were the community type gifts. So Jackson got a phone. Because he's got a phone, Silas deserves to have more screen time because we have s- limited screen days. So uh, Silas says, Jackson's on his phone. Why don't I get my, my Kindle? Why don't I get the iPad? And he says, it's not fair, daddy. It's not fair. So then with my kids, I'm sitting down saying, I want you to give thanks. I want you to give thanks for three things since you're complaining for so many other things and we sit there, and they're not really giving thanks. They're, they're dragging their feet. And a lot of us go to God that way. Hey, you guys, let's, let's pray to God. Okay, God, thanks for our food. Okay, amen. And then you just dive in. How, how thankful are you for the things that you have that are related to money? How thankful are you for the things that you have to God, for the things around you? I know we would say I'm thankful for it, but how often do we actually say, God, thank you for these things. It will have benefits for your health. It will have benefits for your soul. It will have benefits for your relationships, which is why I believe the Bible has gratitude as a main theme throughout. Now, here's what I love about this next part. Verse 4. This psalmist says, remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. The psalmist is saying, God, I know you're going to favor your people, and please remember me, God is a community God. He loves people. Uh, this week, I, I love seeing what the chapel people are up to. So I, I'm just scrolling through different social medias, and I saw that the Powerball was super high. And a couple people had mentioned it to me, hey, I'm going to buy a Powerball. And every time they do I, do, I have the same pastor move. I'm like, hey, I'm not against gambling, but I'm for lottery tithing. So you play that Powerball, you play it big, and then you give big when you win. So if anyone won last night, I don't know if it, that was a thing or not, but... Um, I'll look for it in our PayPal, thechapelfh.org slash giving, okay? That's just a sidebar. But, but this guy says, remember me when you show favor to my people. Sometimes it feels like God is favoring everyone around you, and you're there w- with the Eeyore cloud over your head. Anyone besides me ever felt that way? You're going through life. This person gets a raise. This person's having a kid. This person actually succeeded at their diet. This person is having uh, their their student gets straight A's. They got the bumper stickers. They have so many kid bumper stickers it covers their back window with awards. Your kid, you have a teacher parent conference every other week, and then you wake up in the morning and you're not even sure if the person sleeping next to you likes you. And you feel like, why is life good for everyone else? I've been going to church. I've been loving others. Something is broken. This psalmist, I think, feels your pain because he's saying, God, when you show favor to your people, remember me. Help me when you save them. Make sure that I'm part of the them. It's easy for us to get so focused on ourselves that we forget that God is doing a million billion things when he does one thing. As he moves you from point A to point B, He's moving 7.4 billion people. He's guiding, directing, shaping, molding, calling, loving into their lives as well. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask God to remember his promises. The Old Testament writers were great at this. They said, God, you said this, please come through. And notice why. In verse 5, the psalmist says, uh, the second half, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation the gladness of your nation. I, I didn't grow up in, in church, as many of you know, if you've been here for any amount of time. But one thing that I learned very quickly about churches is that some churches function differently. I've been to churches that are like a level 10 on the glad o like you walk in, people are dancing. I've been in those churches where they got the sticks with the flags and they're doing that. It's like color guard, but for Jesus. Um, and, then, and then I've also been in those churches where it's like a funeral dirge. Like you would have thought that Abe Lincoln just got brought down the center aisle. It was all bad news. And it's just the organ we've talked about here a lot. I mock it. I shouldn't because I love it. Just haunted carnival music, creepy clowns behind the Christmas decoration. I mean, it's, I've been to both churches. And then we got the chapel, the, like the 9 a.m. service here. You guys, you guys are like closer to the dirge side because you're like, you're waiting for the coffee to hit your v- veins, the gerbil. It's like on the wheel, but you haven't flicked it enough times to get the wheel moving. And then the, the ten the 1045 service, they're a little bit happier. Like the, the 1045 service, they'll raise their hands in worship. We don't do flags or tambourines, although someone do, did do a tambourine once, but I asked them to join the worship team properly. Um, so 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 if you if you look at the spectrum of gladness, God's people in the Bible were always glad people. If you are not a glad person, I don't mean bubblegum happy, because we all know that person, right? Sometimes I am that person. Some of you that know me better, would be like, you're just generally like kind of up and down. But if you know me better than that, you know that I'm really just a grumpy human that gets happy sometimes. Now, God's people, don't amen that. God's people, <laughs> I felt it in your soul. God's people should be marked by joy and gladness. Now, if you give gratitude regularly, you're probably going to have more joy and gladness. If you complain regularly, you're probably going to be lower on joy and gladness. I mean, it's a fairly simple math equation. I think we all see it, right? If you want to do a social experiment, try this on for size. For one week, this is going to be a terrible homework assignment, you can wake up, and I want you to watch only news and only news from the network that you don't like. So if you're like a diehard Fox addict, I want you to just rip roll through CNN for a week and just let this, the goodness soak. Or if you're, a, if you're a CNN person, I want you to go to Fox and just sit there and let the goodness soak in. And then see how grateful for you, are, you are for life. And then if you want to try a different experiment, you can. the pastor should say, read the Bible. But I know that sometimes some of you read the Bible and it's difficult and it's hard. So I'm going to say this. If you want to see how gratitude can work for giving thanks, um, before you read your Bible, look at a picture of something you love. And for some of us, it'll be different things. It might be a picture of your family. And I want you to look at a picture of it. Get it in front of your face. For some of it, it might be like a cheesecake. Like, I'm going to be real here. We just went through Christmas. For some of you, it might be a credit card statement that you finally paid off your last thing or maybe the last payment on your mortgage. When I pay off my mortgage, I'm framing that thing in gold and I'm going to hang it in my office as a victory and then the market's going to do something crazy and I'm going to take out a second loan. Anyway, look at something that you give thanks for and do it every morning. The Old Testament people, they had a very amazing practice and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but they set up what the Bible calls stones of remembrance. Now, I this is just really a pile of stones that when they were walking by another time with their family or kids, they would say, hey, this, these stones of remembrance are to remind us of what God did on this day, in this battle, in this miracle. And fishhawk people especially, I know that some of you do that thing where you paint rocks. Like I, I saw this. There was a, a three-month period where people littered rocks all over fishhawks, and they had happy faces on them. I loved that so much. I loved it because I could paint rocks and it had nothing to do with whatever game they were playing. I just wanted to paint rocks and surprise people with weird Jesus things. So I would paint rocks and I'd throw them out here, throw them out in Park Square. i just throw these rocks everywhere. I'd put Bible verses on them because I have to do that because I'm a pastor. And then I'd put jokes on other ones because those are the ones I really wanted to do. And it was amazing because people would find these rocks. And, and if you were in this little sub craze. People would post pictures of them on Instagram. I found this rock. And then someone would be like, oh, I know who did that rock. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if we had in our, just in our lives, stones of remembrance to remind us of the good things God has done, because that's where this, the psalmist goes. The psalmist is going to go to our forgetfulness. So we're going to keep reading and we're going to talk about how we can set up our stones of remembrance. Verse 6 Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity, church word for sin. We have done wickedness. Now, what wickedness have they done? Verse 7. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. So the thing that led to sin was a forgetful memory. Now, I don't know where you guys stand on this. I, according to me, have a memory like a vault. I can remember books I read. I can remember movies I see. I can remember sounds I hear. I cannot for the life of me remember where I put my wallet today. And that's actually most days. And somehow the internet world knows this, because the only ads I see are the ones that say, do you lose your wallet and keys regularly? Get Tracker. You can find your wallet if you have your keys. You can find your keys if you have your wallet. I'm not going to buy it because I'm waiting for the thing that they create that says you can find all of your stuff if you have yourself, because I lose everything simultaneously and my wife knows this, Um, I will wake up in the morning, and this is a daily thing. You can ask me, what book did you read your freshman year of college in New Testament theology? And I'll be like, bam, 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 bam. You could say, hey, where are your keys? And I'll be like, uh, uh. And then it's it's bad, you guys, because my wife will say, did you check your pocket? (laughs) Of course I checked my pocket. I'll go over to the dresser, take them out as quietly as possible. I found them. Were they in your pocket? Maybe. (laughs) Sin comes from forgetting what God has done for us. This is why the sermon is called God's Ginkgo Biloba. I know that doesn't hit for a lot of you because Ginkgo Biloba was super popular around the same time that uh, Grey Poupon was. But it's this idea that if we don't remember what God has done then we will head toward unfaithfulness in him. And it's a common sense thing. If you look back at your life, and I want you to begin to try to track your life as I'm doing this, in your life, there were things that God did. There were years where something happened and God showed up in an amazing way. And we tend to forget those things. So you can start with uh, like the day you were born, even though you didn't have anything to do with that. That was just your parents and Barry Manilow. Um, And then you've got the day you were reborn. God was all over that day. He was reaching into your life. He had orchestrated people around you. He had had people whisper conversations to you about the existence of God, the bigness of God. And then all of a sudden you say, Jesus, you're mine, I'm yours, this is amazing. And then you live a few years and then something tragic happens. Now, if you haven't done this, even if you're not a resolution person, even if you're not a journaling person, I'm encouraging you today to do this, to track your life with God, to say, God, when did you show up? When did you carry me through the difficult times especially? So for me, it's, I go 1998, great year, 2002, rough year, 2005, hardest year probably uh, of my life, up until 2017, difficult year. But when I look back at those years, I used to say, man, this was a bad year. But if you think about it long enough and you give gratitude to God often enough, you'll realize that those are the years where you grew the most as a human being. It's harder to grow when everything's on cruise control. You can just take your mind off of life. You you have your alarm, you wake up, you do the dinner, you love the kids, you love the spouse, you go to work, you do the same thing. But when life hits you hard, when things fall apart, you start grasping for God in new ways. And when that happens, it doesn't feel great when you're in it. But if you plot your life, if you say, what years for me have been the, the formative years? What years for me did I see radical change? then you can go and give thanks to God for all of those years. It becomes another thing that you can thank God for that's unrelated to money. God's rescuing grace and gift in your life. And it's something we should never stop doing. I'm a fan of stones of remembrance, because in this psalm, it just goes through illustration after illustration of the Israelites forgetting God, they sin, God rescues them. Then they forget God, and they sin, and then God rescues them. And then the process goes on and on. This one is the big one here in this passage. It says, it goes on to say that when they were in Egypt, they didn't consider your wondrous works, they did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the sea and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as though, a de- as though through a desert. This is the big one in Jewish history, the Red Sea, Charlton Heston, parts the sea, they go through. This is something that the Jewish people were supposed to remember. Now, the Jewish people, if you remember, they had just seen 10 plagues. If, if somebody walked into my house and didn't even do like the 10 plagues in the varsity level, if they just did the 10 plagues on the junior varsity level, if they came to my house, they said, we are going to send a plague upon your house. And it wasn't even like, it's, for the first one is not going to be anything crazy. No sni- st- uh, st- uh, staff and a snake. They, let's say they just throw a garden hose down and a snake comes out of it. I'd be like, dang, that's cold. And then let's say they don't turn the water coming into my house into blood. Let's say they just make it real salty, like my soft water thing breaks down. After just those two things, I'd be like, I'm a little worried. And let's say they don't even call down locusts, frogs, and all that stuff. Let's just say they say your lawn will die from a massive chinch bug infestation tomorrow. And it did. So right now we're just talking like a snake could have gone in a hose. My, soft, my water softener could have broken. And chinch bugs, because my neighbors don't spray properly, could have gotten into my yard. But I'd still be pretty freaked out. And if I saw all these things happen back to back, 10 things, and then I saw the hardest hearted person let go all of his workforce. And then we go to the Red Sea after I had seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle. And then the Egyptians are coming. I think I, I hope that I wouldn't be like the Israelites, but I have a hunch that we all would, and then we're all going to die here. And then what do you do after God parts an ocean and you walk through it and then it closes and destroys all of the Egyptian army? How long does it take you to forget that? Some of you are thinking, I'd never forget that. Well, how about when you're angry at God, just right after that? So you build a fake God, a golden cow, and you worship that thing while the God is giving his law up on the mountain to Moses. Well, I, 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 wouldn't, I don't think I would forget as fast as those people would. What about when Moses comes down, throws rocks at this golden calf, and it explodes, and then goes back up to get the second copy of the Ten Commandments and comes back down What about when you're then leaving there in the wilderness and God makes Krispy Kremes fall from the sky? Krispy Kremes is the modern equivalent for manna. Um, And you get free donuts every morning. Would you forget that? Most of us would say, I wouldn't forget any of these things. But most of us do forget most of the things God has done most of the time. We are so caught up in what's right in front of our eyes, we forget what's happened right behind us. And the Bible doesn't want us to become transfixed in the rearview mirror. It wants us to remember what God did so that we can lean on him more in what he's going to do. So we're going to keep on going. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because we're running out of time. Verse 13, they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked. but sent a a wasting disease among them. And then it just gets even crazier. We're going to go to verse 19. They made a calf in Horeb, this is the golden calf, and worshiped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who has done great things in Egypt. This forgetfulness is one thing that I don't want us to do this year. I want us to intentionally plot and plan our relationship with God based on what He has done. This is the reason we baptize people. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality. I would love it if we started setting up stones of remembrance. Set up stones where God does amazing things for you. If you need me to set up a place, maybe we'll just have one of those weird little sand rock gardens out here so you can set up stones of remembrance and remember when one of your kids made a decision to follow Jesus, when you were baptized, and we'll just get stones piled up. If you want to be like me, litter stones all over the place. If you, We live in Florida. You can go to the beach literally 360 days of the year because if you go this week, apparently you're going to get snowed on or something crazy. Um, Go to the beach and go carve something into a tree. Is that legal? My cops aren't here today. Go carve something into a tree. Set up stones at your favorite beach, hidden and tucked away to remember. So when you go there with your kids, you could say, hey, this is to remind us of what God carried us through in this year. Some of you, your stories for 2017 had difficult themes, difficult trials. Some of you need to go set up a boulder of remembrance this year. Some of you need to go to Alderman Ford Park and claim one of the, what we call hills in Florida. You need to do it so that when you go there with your kids, you can remember. When you go there by yourself to pray, you can remember. A bunch of our guys have been going to Apollo Beach to pray. We should probably start lighting up those jetties, claiming those rocks, putting chalk messages on them to remind us or the next guy that's coming that God has done great things. If you read Psalm 106 this week, which I'd encourage you to do, you're going to see a picture of a God who, no matter what his people forget, God keeps showing up. God says, You've sinned, you've walked away, but I'm here. And there's some pretty graphic language, which is why I skipped a couple of the verses and didn't want to go too far. I know that some of you are going to read the Bible just because I said there's graphic language. I'm okay with that. There's graphic language, by the way, in almost every book of the Bible really graphic in the Song of Solomon. I know like everybody's like, I'm going to read the Bible today. Don't start reading the Bible today because then you'll mess up your whole reading plan that you're going to fail by January 4th. But today, begin to remember what God has done. If you can't dig back deep, just dig back through this year. Remember the times of faithfulness, the things that he's kept you from, moved you on from, rescued you from. And then the last thing from this text that we'll talk about today is that when God was angry with the constant repetition of his people betraying him and forgetting him, in verse 23, it says, therefore, he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. God said, I can't deal with this repetitiveness. And this was God having a conversation with Moses because God is trying to bring the best out of Moses, just like he's trying to bring the best out of you. And God said, I'm going to come down and destroy them, and we're going to do a reboot. And Moses said, stood in the breach, stood in the gap. Now, Moses can't stand in the gap for you. I cannot stand in the gap for you. I stand in prayer for many of you often. But there is one person alone who stands in the gap. One person alone who you can go to every single time you fail, every single time you feel like you don't measure up, every single time you definitely don't measure up. And Jesus stands in the gap. This is one thing that I will never stop saying. This is the drum I will never stop beating. That we are worse than we think we are. And that's glorious news because that means Jesus loves us more than we could imagine. When you are at your absolute worst, believing in Jesus, God sees you as his absolute best. When you are at the pit of bad things, bad life, bad decisions, bad sin, the swamp of bad, if you're, if you're turned toward Jesus... God sees only his goodness. It covers all of your badness. You cannot outrun God's gift. Remember that this year. That is my only plea. Um, Let's pray, and then we will do our offering. Father, I thank you that you would love us in such a radical way to send Jesus to stand in the gap. Lord, I pray that this year would be a year of remembrance, that unlike the Israelites, we would remember all that you have done for us, all that you have carried us through. Lord, give us... A memory like a vault when it comes to your spiritual rescuing works in our lives. And Lord, help us always to remember who stands in the gap. Lord, help us not to be moralistic, religious people who try to earn our own way and impress others with our morals. Help us rather to be people who are thankful and grateful for all that you give us and all that you do. Father, I I pray for those in this room who are far from you, who still have questions about you, that you would simply be present in their life this week, that they would begin to see your guiding hand through the, the difficult seasons they may be going through. And God, I do pray for 2018, that resolutions regarding your word would be kept, that we would be resolved to live more faithfully and fully for you. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said,